This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm Walter Wiggerbahn, your host, and uh, with me, my co-host, uh, Naz Marchese. We're live from Liberty Village on the new AM740. Um, not a great game last... Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. I know you're a little bit uh, a little bit uh, energetic this morning and uh, not too thrilled about the Leafs' performance last well, night. Well, wasn't that pathetic? <laughs> that was a bad hockey game for that hockey club. Anyways, your thoughts? Um, don't understand uh, James Reimer being in after the second period. The uh, Sabres were up 4-2, I believe, and uh, Reimer was struggling. and did not. They did not pull him. They left him in there the whole game. That's the only criticism I've ha- I have of that, of the coaching. But they were not prepared to play. They lost every battle for the puck last night. Anyways, uh, just to uh, tell our listeners this morning, we have two interesting guests today. Uh, uh, Buffalo uh, Sabres broadcasting legend who was back for his first game last night after uh, after fighting a um, uh, battle with an illness, which we will talk to him about. Rick Jenneret, uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, winner of the Foster Hewitt Award, and certainly a voice that is instantly recognizable amongst uh, all hockey fans in southern Ontario and western New York. So we're really, really looking forward to talking to him and welcoming him back. And also in the middle of the hour, we've got uh, Barry Melrose. Uh, yeah, he brings back uh, memories. He, he brings back he? memories. Uh, Barry Melrose, of course, uh, well-remembered in the Toronto area as the coach of the L.A. Kings during that infamous uh, playoff series, uh, a little set to with Pat Burns uh, in 1993. So, And he's been a hockey analyst and uh, an interesting hockey mind for, for years over, so we're really looking forward to talking to him. And at the bottom of the hour, an interesting turn for the Nazawali Sports Hour. We're going to be talking a little bit of squash. Sam Cornette, who's going to talk to us about the World Team Squash Championship coming up in Niagara Falls in the next few weeks, so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, going back to the Leafs and Sabres, Naz, um, we talked to Joe Bowen on the show a few weeks back and asked him what we thought the Leafs season would look like, and I think it's shaping up the way he predicted. Inconsistency. Very inconsistent. Uh, their play. I was at the game Friday night, and what an atmosphere there, too. And um, they played so well against the Penguins. It was quite a hockey game, and the game really could have gone either way. And then they come up with that stinker last night. I don't understand that, how a team can play so well on a Friday night and so poorly on a Saturday night. Well, I mean, that's hockey in an 82-game schedule, right? And uh, good teams, I I, I guess, really good teams are able to overcome that. Mediocre. I wouldn't say Leafs are not mediocre, but they're a middle of the pack team. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, in the when it comes down to March, 
and you're and you're scraping to get into the playoffs, and you're a couple of points short or a couple of points ahead. These stinkers back in November come back to haunt you. And the games you you should have won, um, if you don't put those uh, two points into the uh, into the into the line lineup, uh, they come back and hurt you. Yeah, they do, and uh, it's going to be a tough season. They're going to battle for eighth. That's where the way I see it. That's the way it looks to me that they're going to battle for eighth. But uh, I have to say this: there's a lot of mediocre teams out there. There's, I would say, seven or eight contenders, and then the rest you can just throw them in a. In the early in going, any any team surprised you so far? Nashville, Nashville's really surprised. Uh, they uh, have a new coach, and uh, they're playing quite well. Nashville's really surprised. And, you know, as of yesterday, Chicago was out of a playoff spot, the Blackhawks. So that's how tough the West is. But, uh, they, uh, you know, there's still a long way to go, and Chicago, I'm sure, will turn it around. Nashville, uh, uh, new coach. Yeah. Um, this, this kid, Philip Forsberg, uh, you know, seems to be, uh, seems to be setting uh, the league on fire. And uh, they, I agree, they've been, uh, they've been uh, quite a surprise. I think they, the Leafs... The Leafs have them on their schedule in the next. Yeah, they uh, do. They do the next uh, three, two, three weeks. I think. So we'll, we'll certainly get a, a sense of Nashville. A big game yesterday. I think the Kings, uh, our, our favorite player Tyler Toffoli, uh, oh, amazing, snuck, snuck one in. Uh, we talked about him with Mike Fuda a few weeks back, and yeah. uh, uh, really, uh, really great goal from him. So. Uh, uh, on the east side, Tampa are they uh, are they surprised? Tampa's a, Tampa's for real. Montreal is one of those teams like a fourth, fifth place team. I think Tampa, Pittsburgh is really impressive though. Seeing yeah. them the other night, and the one thing you've got to notice about Pittsburgh's uh, uh, lineup and what <coughs> they've done this year, their defensive play is fantastic. They're giving up less goals, and in the playoffs, you have to give up uh, your goals against has to be down. And there is this down. They're scoring as well as uh, not giving up too many goals. Hockey Hall of Fame weekend has got uh, the Toronto uh, Toronto sports uh, community all in a buzz. Um, any comments? Um, it seems like a, a great uh, class that's coming in. No, 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 uh, no criticisms from my point of view. All definitely deserved candidates. My only criticism: Pat Burns is going in. I think everybody knew <clears throat> when Pat Burns was ill that eventually he would be going in, three-time Coach of the Year winner. Um, we made this point earlier in the year. I, it would have been nice if he had been inducted while he was uh, still alive. But uh, overall, uh, a really, really good incoming class. Yeah, no, no question about it. Everybody deserved to get in. Anyways, we're uh, about to go to break. Before we go to break, I want to announce our, uh, our contest once again. Uh, we're giving out a $100 gift certificate at Scruples. Salon and Spa. If you want to score some points with that special someone, call in. Uh, third caller will get that gift certificate. Scruples Salon and Spa. You can find them at www.scruplesalon.com. Two locations, one in Woodbridge and one in Pickering. And certainly would be a great stocking stuffer uh, to keep that special someone happy. We'll be right back after the break with Rick Jenneret. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when my wife accused me of having an affair. How could I tell her that I was hopelessly in love with extra thin crust pizza from Pizzaville? I didn't ask for this to happen. It was so thin, so delicate, so delicious. I can't bear to share it with my wife. She wants me to see a counsellor, but I don't want to share it with him either. Call Pizzaville for an extra thin crust pizza at 736-3636. 
There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. I'm to Stafford. Stafford got it on the wing, cleared across ice for Ennis. Ennis puts on the brakes, back to Myers. Myers along the wall to Ennis. Ennis rags the puck, works it to the top of the key again. Now, got it into the corner. Buffalo moving around, back it comes. Out in front, the shot right off by Stafford. Driver, they score! Following up on the play, it's drifted into the net by Ennis. And Buffalo scores on the power play. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. You are, of course, listening to the unmistakable voice of Hockey Hall of Famer, winner of the Foster Hewitt Award, Rick Jenneret. Rick Jenneret was back uh, back in the saddle last night uh, doing the first period of the Buffalo Sabres-Leafs game. Rick, it's, uh, it's certainly a pleasure to have you back. How are you this morning? I'm good, thank you. Uh, uh, it was really great to hear you last night. I know you've had some challenges. Please tell our listeners how you're doing. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, obviously, uh, it, I'm having trouble hitting the high notes anymore, but I don't know if that's got something to do with the disease or my age. Um, but uh, certainly it was a, it was an inspiring night to get, be able to get back in the booth again, get back in the chair, even though it was only for one period, and uh, it was welcomed very much by the crowd and uh, even the Leaf fans, and there were tons of them there last night. Now you're, uh, we're certainly, uh, we've always been big fans of yours, Rick, and we were certainly uh, 
Happy to hear that, uh, you know, you've made an incredible amount of progress in, in battling the cancer that you've been battling, and uh, you've gotten a, uh, a clean bill of health as best as you can at this point, and mm -hmm. hopefully, uh, hopefully your progress continues to go in that positive direction. We certainly want to hear you uh, um, uh, behind, the, behind the mic and listen to those Buffalo Sabres games because you've certainly brought a lot of excitement to a lot of listeners in southern Ontario and uh, in western New York. So certainly welcome back. Yeah, it was a great hearing your voice, Rick. Uh, it's Hall of Fame weekend here in Toronto, and mm -hmm. um, one of the guys that uh, is being inducted tomorrow night is uh, a guy you saw quite a bit as uh, Buffalo Sabres broadcast, Dominic Hasek. Mm. What do you think of Dominic Hasek as a goalie? Well, I can make this very simple. Uh, during his time in Buffalo, uh, what was it, nine years or about that anyway, he was absolutely the best goaltender I've ever seen play the game. Um, and I'm including those who played after him and those who played before him. He was, uh, he was an incredible athlete to watch. Uh, when he started in Buffalo, he did everything wrong, according to the people who knew how goaltending was the position was supposed to be played. The only trouble is everything he did wrong stopped the puck. And uh, he's changed an awful lot about the way goaltending is played these days. Um, but uh, he was a bit of a radical in those days, and he was fun to watch. My Lord, he was fun to watch. And he... Uh, some of the saves he'd make, I'd look at the opposition bench, and uh, you could just see the ear going right out of the bench like there's no way he could stop that. And he was a thrill a minute, and uh, he put a lot of bodies in seats, not only in Buffalo, but all around the National Hockey League. Rick, you've been behind the mic uh, for for a long time in Buffalo, essentially since the second season, uh, and um, you are the longest tenured play-by-play -play announcer in NHL history, which is an incredible accomplishment. Uh, looking back, um, any uh, any uh, broadcasters or anybody who had a, a large influence on your career? You know, I, I've certainly been asked that a number of times over the years, and I don't think so. Um, when I was growing up um, on the North Shore of Lake Superior, a little town called Terrace Bay, um, we didn't have any TV in the early days, so we relied only on the radio. And, of course, I would hear then either Foster Hewitt or Danny Gallivan. Those were the only two that you would hear in those days. Um, but I don't think either one of them influenced me. I don't, at least I, I didn't consciously pattern myself against uh, after either one of those um, announcers. And I, I think I really cut my own path uh, in my career. Now, you, uh, you actually did some Niagara Falls Flyers games in the mid-60s, mm -hmm. and uh, yep. those were, there, were, there were certainly some great players that came out of Niagara Falls in the mid-60s, Turk Sanderson and Bernie Perrant. Uh, oh, Favell, I mean, there were, there were some great teams. The, the one year that they, went to, that they went to the Memorial Cup, I believe all except two players went to the NHL from that. Wow. Any, uh, any great memories of any of those uh, great games or any great memories of any of those teams or players? funny you know you, you sometimes you just think about things that are amusing as opposed to uh, <laughs> players or their skills and i can remember playing a memorial cup game in edmonton and uh a brawl started on the ice and it was a dandy uh, both benches cleared and it was a, a hay rube and, uh, and there was a linesman who had a cast on his hand and he panicked when they came out on the ice so he called the police out on the ice along with a police dog well, of course, the police came out on the ice. They couldn't stand up. It was like the, you know, the Keystone cops. 
<laughs> they were falling down everywhere. The poor dog couldn't get any traction whatsoever. And so what turned into be ostensibly a very serious situation and was treated that way by the powers that be was more hilarious than anything else. And nobody in the end was injured. So that was a good thing. Uh, Rick, we uh, I did a blog piece on our on our website nazandwally.ca back in May, and we actually uh, I went through ranking the top uh, ten hockey announcers of all time, and I slotted you in at number seven, Rick. Um, mm-hmm. Which uh, there there there's some uh, you know some greats ahead of you, but I you know I, I've always thought of you as one of the one of the top interesting broadcasters to listen to, and you're certainly. Uh, come from a, from an era where it's, it appeared that, uh, or there was a sense that there was more character and personality in some of, some of the broadcast broadcasters, and so you, certainly you project that on the air. You have your own individual style. You're unmistakable. Um, you're known for some of the great lines in, in hockey broadcasting history. Uh, of course, there's the infamous uh, the infamous May Day, and uh, my personal favorite was the Fala La 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 Fontaine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just curious, did those, did those, when you were doing those, those announcements or those play-by-plays, uh, those lines did just pop into your head at the moment, or something you thought well, about earlier? Or how, did, how did you know? How did that come about? Well, it depends. Uh, uh, certainly, the May Day thing. Uh, there's no way I could have thought of that ahead of time. Brad May hadn't scored in something like <laughs> I don't know, 20 games or something going into that game. I, there's, there's no way that would happen. That one just popped out. The uh, Lafontaine one, though, I think that came from uh, just prior to that. Lafontaine had been traded for Pierre Turgeon. And when Pierre played in Buffalo, um, I used to say, ooh la la, Pierre. And so Patty got there his first game, and naturally he scored immediately. And I think, I don't know, but I think subconsciously that's where it came from, the la la part of it anyway. Yeah, you had uh, the uh, Alexander the Great. You gave him Alexander McGillney that name. That mm-hmm. uh, You came up with some beauties, let me tell you. And, when, you know, the, the one thing. Well, guys, you got to remember, we had a lot of colorful players in those days. <laughs> And, you know, there were no run-of-the-mill guys there. There were a lot of colorful guys and, and, and colorful hockey teams, and so it made it much easier. Yeah, it is a little different today than it was back then, for sure. The the players yeah. don't have the profiles that they did back in the 70s and 80s. And you mentioned about Niagara Falls. It seems like we we interviewed Marcel Dion last, last week, and he's down mm-hmm. there. He lives there, and he's operating a business. And there's a lot of people that yeah, have... He lives down, actually, his business is down the street from my house. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's amazing how many guys are down there. Like Angelo Mosca, the wrestler, is down there, too. Like There's a lot of a lot of the guys down there and who... Uh, who live who live there now? Yes, and and not only in in the peninsula, but also across the river in Buffalo. An awful lot of uh, Buffalo Sabres players over the years have elected to make Buffalo their home, and there's a there's a ton of them. Their alumni is very strong in Buffalo, one of the strongest in the NHL. Brings us to this year's Sabres, and I know they're going through a rebuilding uh, a moment for them, and I think they're doing the right thing. What do you think of their future, the, the Sabres? Well, I got to tough this baby out because. Uh, it's a rough one so far, and it's going to continue to be rough. No, there's no kidding. Right through until April, this is going to be a this is going to be a stinky season. Um, but I think that uh, it will pay off, um, as it's been proven in the past uh, by teams like Pittsburgh and Chicago, and they had to hit rock bottom before they they claimed a, a prime draft choice to get them back on the road again. But it's it's and it's not going to be over by next year. You know, it doesn't matter whether they get Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel or a combination of what whatever number, um, 
it's not going to turn around it quickly. But I think by then, fans will at least be rewarded with the fact of saying, hey, this guy is good. He's going to lead us out of the wilderness. And I think that's what you're going to see in the future. Uh, Rick, uh, the Buffalo Sabres, uh, mid-'70s teams with the French connection and uh, uh, certainly some great memories for uh, a lot of us in southern Ontario and western New York, some of us in southern Ontario, uh, um, uh, obviously uh, always tuned into Buffalo uh, broadcasters, and we actually had Rick Azer on the show a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. Uh, your memories of those mid-'70s teams uh, was certainly a special time in Buffalo Sabres history, wasn't it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and if you look outside First Niagara Center, of course, there's a statue of the French Connection, and they're, uh, they're recognized inside the building as well. Uh, they were fun days. They were fun days to watch. But I think you also have to remember with the French Connection, even though they were an offensive power, uh, their plus-minus wasn't very good either. But they were exciting. And uh, I guess that was, might have been the last really famous line that was put together. Uh, at least that was dubbed that by whoever in the media that picked it out, and I'm not too sure it is. There's, there's several people who claim they came up with the idea, but uh, whatever. I think it was probably the fast, the, the last great line that was put together in the NHL. I can't think of another one since then. The Buffalo Sabres currently, they, their last 16 games in Buffalo against the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're 14-1-1. <laughs> one. Yeah. How does that happen? Well, how does it happen the other way around, guys? Toronto, in, uh, playing at home against Buffalo, has a great record, too. Sabres absolutely suck in Toronto. <laughs> uh, but but then you, you turn around and last night, now you say this year it should change, right? Because yeah, you would think so, yeah. Top, Sabres are at the bottom. Um, but it was just one of those nights last night. It started to go, and uh, it just picked up momentum as it carried on, and even though the Leafs battled back uh, near the end of the second period, they, they really didn't get any closer than a couple of goals. And quite honestly, they weren't they weren't in the game. Are you surprised at Ryan Miller's success in uh, Vancouver now? Um, no. I thought he was a great goalie in Buffalo. Yes, he absolutely was. Uh, I'm not surprised at all. Miller is a very dedicated goaltender, dedicated to his profession and to whatever team he plays for. And uh, he's a very cerebral individual if you talk to him he studies the game at all times uh, i'm not surprised in the least and as a matter of fact i'm delighted for him we're listening to the unmistakable voice of hall of famer rick jenneret buffalo sabers uh, broadcaster who uh, came back uh, last night and did uh, the first period and brought the sabers a lot of luck <laughs> last night unfortunately for Leafs fans uh, rick we've just got a couple of minutes left and i do want to ask you a question about the hall of fame uh, it's hall of fame weekend in toronto and there's a buzz in the city you're a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, a winner of the Foster Hewitt Award. Uh, your memories of Hall of Fame when you were inducted, and how special was that to you? Well, it meant a whole ton to me. Uh, it, it was part of a whirlwind summer. As a matter of fact, I was inducted into four different Halls of Fame in Buffalo, and then, of course, the, to cap it off, the crowning glory was the Hall of Fame in Toronto and, and everything that went with it. And uh, it was afforded just the, the greatest of times while I was there. had a wonderful... Uh, opportunity to hang out with some of the other inductees who went in on that occasion and uh, my whole family was there the sabers uh, rented the bus as a matter of fact and bought tickets for my whole family so they could all be there and uh, recognize the fact that uh, i was being inducted including my mother who will be 95 years old uh, on her next birthday fantastic now what do you see in uh, you have a three-year contract 
to go yeah, with. I'm actually on a longer contract on that, but it doesn't really matter. I've got a couple more years to go on it. Okay, very good. And we want to hear your voice all the time because I'm telling you, we 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 growing up in uh, the southern Ontario area, listen to the Buffalo Sabres all the time, and we love your broadcast, Rick, and you, you do a great job in uh, calling play-by-play. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Anyways, Rick, uh, we want to thank you, uh, Naz and Wally, for coming on, uh, on our show. Uh, we really appreciate it. We can, of course, wish you nothing but the uh, best of health and, and continued, uh, continued recovery, and we want to listen to you as long as possible. Thanks so much for taking the time for us this Th- morning. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Thanks, Our Rick. pleasure. That was Rick Jenneret, Hall of Fame Buffalo Sabres broadcaster and certainly uh, an unmistakable voice. Uh, Naz, he seems like uh, a gentleman who's still, uh, still doing his craft, and doing it incredibly well, but almost seems like from a different age in terms of character and personality. And we've talked about broadcasters. Um, uh, it seems like the character and personality of some of the newer guys uh, still has to be developed. Um, and Rick Jenneret and uh, Bob Cole and some of the greats. Uh, Ted Darling, we didn't even have a yeah. chance to talk yeah, about. Ted but was Ted Darling him, right? was doing the uh, was doing the play-by-play for the Sabers on on television for the longest mm-hmm. time, and he was certainly incredibly interesting to listen to. And uh, certainly, uh, it's nice to have Rick back. Wally, just the thought, you know, like the May Day call, that was off the cuff. <laughs> Can you believe that he did that off the cuff? Like, he didn't even well, think was, about it. It's true. Well, how, because, could you, how could you have thought about it? It's true. As he explained, like, Brad May hadn't scored in over 20, 20 games. So how could he rehearse that? That is an absolutely incredible call. Yeah, absolutely certainly was. Anyways, uh, we've got uh, Barry Melrose coming up. Um, checking out my producer. We've got uh, Barry Melrose on the line. Uh, Barry, are you with us? I'm here, guys. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, and I'd like to echo your sentiments about Rick Jenrat. It's great to see him healthy again, and hopefully he'll continue to call games for years to come. Yeah, we certainly hope so. Listen, uh, Barry, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, You are, of course, uh, a well-known personality in the Toronto area. You've done some great work down uh, with the NHL and with ESPN, and, of course, you're remembered in the Toronto area for the few couple of years you played for Toronto, actually, in the the early 1980s as a Maple Leaf, and also for the... uh, Great playoff series with the L.A. Kings and uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs in 1993, where uh, uh, we've got certainly some memories of of you and Pat Burns during that series. But first, first person I want to talk to, it's Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. First person I want to talk about is Rob Blake. You coached Rob Blake uh, for a couple of years. Tell our listeners what, uh, what, what your experience was uh, coaching Rob Blake and uh, what made him such a great player. Well, I got to L.A. when Rob Blake was 22 years old, so he was just starting out his career. He'd come from college hockey. Uh, but I always asked him, how come you never play junior? Uh, I couldn't believe this guy didn't play junior, but he, uh, I think he went to Bowling Green, and uh, he was raw, but he was so talented. He was big, 6'4", great skater, uh, great shot, good hands, uh, great open ice hitter, uh, still one of the best open ice hitters I ever saw. So he was just coming onto the scene, and uh, that year in 1993, we started the year with Paul Coffey as the number one defenseman. But as the year went on, Blakey just got better and better and better. And we also had Alex Jidnick, and Alex got better and better. So we ended up, uh, by the time we were playing Toronto in the, the playoffs that year, uh, we traded uh, Paul Coffey, and, and Rob Blake and Alex Jidnick were our shutdown pair. And uh, he was great. 
He was a, a big, mobile, uh, physical defenseman that could move the puck and uh, turn into, obviously, a Hall of Fame player. So I got to see him emerge on the scene from a, a kid that maybe, uh, you know, didn't really believe in himself the way he should do, one of the best defensemen in the game. Barry, another uh, Pat Burns is going in. I know you had your moments with him, and that's that's past, of course. Um, your recollection of Pat Burns and uh, your relationship with him, uh, what's your opinion of him as a coach? And sh- He should have been in the Hall of Fame before this, I think. Well, Pat, Pat was great. Obviously, uh, coached three original sixes. Not many people have done that. Won a Stanley Cup, I believe. Uh, he's just a... Um, what hockey's all about, a guy that started out as a cop, uh, got into coaching, uh, he came up the right way through junior. When he got to the NHL, all he did was win. His teams were known for their toughness, how hard they uh, played. Uh, they were ready to play every night. He never had a night off against the Pat Burns team. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, Pat is what, uh, what hockey's all about, toughness and, and uh, stick-to-itness and, and, you know, character and passion and, I uh, love of the game, so uh, you know, Pat Burns definitely should be in the Hall of Fame, and and probably you're right. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, we're talking to Barry Melrose, of course, uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, former LA King and Tampa coach, and uh, noted NHL analyst with the NHL Network and ESPN. Uh, um, going back to that '93 series, there was that infamous incident between you and 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 uh, Pat Burns, and it it was it was sort of uh, spontaneous after the McSorley uh, Gilmore incident. Uh, um, you sort of uh, poked fun at uh, at Pat Burns and uh, came back. Uh, was that was that business? Was that personal? Was that ever talked about afterwards between between you and Pat? Well, we laughed about it. See, people forget, like, those things can't happen anymore because the buildings are so different. Like, in, in that old Toronto building, you were basically side by each and with, no, with a couple of doctors in between you, and the crowd was basically in your bench. Uh, the crowds walked through your bench to get to their seats. It was a crazy scenario uh, in Toronto in the old buildings. And uh, so you got, you got all that stuff going on. You got a real intense game going on. Then you got the great fight between Wendell and Marty, which I think is the last great fight in the playoffs in the NHL, and then all the stuff happening. So that would that couldn't even happen today. Uh, but uh, we laughed about it. It was uh, uh, a you know funny moment, uh, and Pat uh, and I laughed about it uh, years later. It was a very intense series, one of the most intense series that, that I'd ever seen. So uh, you know there was a lot of stuff going on. You had. You know, Gretzky against Gilmore, all the Canadians were saying Gilmore is the best player in the world. You know, Gretzky you know, wanted to prove that he's still the great best player in the world. With ESPN against CBC, CBC was cheering for Toronto, ESPN was cheering for L.A. So there's a lot of stuff going on in that series. Uh, it was an unbelievable series. And, uh, yeah, Pat and I laughed about it later. It was, it was actually pretty funny. Barry, what was your perspective back in that? The Leafs were a, a high-caliber team, as, as were the Los Angeles Kings. What was your uh, impression of the city of Toronto and uh, the buzz around here in comparison to other cities with the Leafs going that far? How was it uh, on your side? I, well, I played in Toronto. I know I knew what the city was like. Uh, I always loved Toronto. Uh, it was a great place to play. Tough place to play, but a great place to play. Uh, if you win in Toronto, it's going to be the greatest place in the world that anyone ever won in. Uh, the city was awesome. The crowd was awesome. 
Maple Leaf Gardens was rocking. The Forum in L.A. was rocking. Uh, you know, uh, Hollywood stars everywhere. Um, you know, Mike Myers was, you know, he was with the Maple Leafs and, and then we had all the guys with the LA Kings. So, so it was, there was, like I said, there was just, it was just a unique series because of all the stuff that it brought in. You have Gretzky on your team. Obviously, he's going to attract a lot of, uh, you know, different people. And then the Toronto Maple Leafs attract a lot of different people. So it was just, you know, I, I don't know if you'll have a, a series like that again because of the fact that, you know, you're never going to have a star like Gretzky again. Anyways, we're talking to Barry Melrose. Um, um, you can find him if you want to check out his blog. He's at NHL.com, the Melrose Minute. He's still uh, telling us all uh, uh, what's going on in the NHL. Uh, Barry, uh, you, you follow, obviously, the NHL very closely. Any, uh, any surprise teams so far? Anything that's, uh, any teams that are uh, doing something a little bit different this year? Calgary. Um, uh, that that is the biggest surprise that I've seen. Uh, here's a team that we thought would be in the McDavid Eichel sweepstakes, and uh, they're among the best teams in the NHL. Uh, they, their defense is unbelievable, by far the highest scoring defense in the league. Uh, Jonas Hiller was a great addition. Uh, they, their young guys are playing great. Uh, so you know that to me is the biggest surprise. Uh, on the negative side, I have to say Dallas. I, I really thought Dallas had a good team, and they still might. But they, they haven't had the start that I, I thought they would. I thought they'd be right up there with the big boys in the West. And it, it seems like they're losing just about every night right now. So Dallas would be my disappointment. Calgary would be my positive surprise. I want to bring up, I'm glad you brought up Dallas. And uh, we were. I tried to bring this up on the show last week and I didn't get a chance. Uh, it seems to me like uh, Ottawa traded Jason Spessa to Dallas. And he's like a third, he's not a third center in any in any league, but... Seems like there he's like a second or third center. He's going to play obviously behind Tyler Sagan. Was that a good fit to have Spezza in Dallas? Well, it's 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 hard to turn down talent. Uh, you know, you can say what you want about uh, Spezza. He, the guy's a talented guy, and he's been to the Stanley Cup final, his final. So, you know, obviously he's got some character and, and, and a winner also. But right right now it's not working in Dallas. Uh, Sagan's continuing to score. Ben, Ben's numbers aren't going up the way we thought they would. Uh, Spez is certainly not putting the puck in the net the way we thought they would. So maybe there, you know, maybe there's not enough puck to go around for those three guys. I, I don't know, but uh, it, it's certainly not the magic that we thought it would be when those three guys got put together in Dallas. It, it can change, and uh, but obviously right now, yeah, it's not working. Uh, for some reason, Sagan's continuing to score, but the other two aren't, and uh, they're going to need all three of those guys that they're going to climb back into the playoff hunt. Once again, we're talking to Barry Melrose, NHL analyst. Uh, Barry, uh, we have to ask you your analysis of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, what's your assessment uh, of their performance so far this year? Well, one night they look like the best team in the world against Boston. Last night they get hammered by Buffalo. Uh, you know, they're, they're not consistent. Uh, that. You can certainly see at times that they do have a good team, and then just when you start believing in them, they throw a stinker at you. Uh, certainly a playoff team in the East. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, but uh, I don't know yet if they're ready to rival the, the you know, the uh, Montreal's, the Pittsburgh's, the Boston's of the world in the Eastern Conference yet. So uh, the jury's still out on them as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, you, you got to love Kessel. Uh, some of their players, Bozak's awesome. 
but uh, they also got some weak links there. Uh, defensively, uh, some nights they look good, some nights they look very porous. But a very, very inconsistent team so far this season. Anyways, Barry, it's Hockey Hall of Fame weekend, and um, we've got a, what I find to be a really, 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 really excellent induction class, uh, some uh, true Hall of Famers. Uh, there's always uh, controversy about who gets into the Hall of Fame and who doesn't, and uh, our personal controversy on, on this show has been is focused uh, around the name Eric Lindros. Uh, you coached in the 1990s. You would have seen... A lot of Eric Lindros uh, during the prime of his career. Um, do you have an assessment of where, whether Eric Lindros should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame or not, Barry? Uh, yeah, I think he should be. I, I don't know how you can keep a guy out who was arguably the best player in the world for uh, you know a period of time, and not not just a year, like for a number of years. Uh, you know, the, the biggest guy, the biggest skill guy ever to play the game. So. Uh, you know, we get caught up with numbers sometimes, and I, and I don't agree with that. I think there's other guys that embody what the sport is like uh, that that should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, because, but because their numbers don't quite reach a certain uh, area that that they're not in. But I I think you can't keep a guy out that that was the best player for four or five years, six years. Uh, and again, so much of the NHL was around him at that time with the parents. He was the, not only the best player in the world, he was the biggest news-getter in the world for a number of years there in the NHL. So uh, I think you can't have a hockey talk and talk about the best players in, in the NHL and Lindros not become part of the equation. Now, uh, getting back to, uh, I want to get to the Florida franchises, uh, especially the Panthers. They don't seem to uh, draw very well. Where do you see the future in uh, Florida for hockey? Well, you got to win uh, in Florida. Uh, it's not like Toronto where you can put a bad team on the ice and spill the building. you got to win. And when they were winning in the early 90s, uh, they had the building packed. Uh, it was a great building. It was loud. It was packed. Uh, great atmosphere. But you got to win. And, and uh, you know, you saw when they, when they made the playoffs a couple of years ago, the people started coming back and, and the building started getting full again. But, uh, in, in Florida, it's not a case where you just open the doors and twenty thousand people are going to come in the game ice or into the game. You got to win, and you got to you got to win consistently. You got to give them a reason to come. There's lots of lots of things to do down here in Florida during the hockey season, uh, unlike up north. So you got to give people reasons to come, and winning is the reason. So Tampa Bay is winning now. Uh, building's packed. So uh, the same thing will happen in Florida. They got some good young players. Uh, they've drafted high for a number of years, and if they can start winning, people will come back. We were talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I was saying how different they look. They seem to me, I was at the game Friday night, and they, they played very, they play very well defensively all of a sudden. Um, has the new coach done something to that team? Oh, yeah. they've uh, Well, the two things have happened. They changed a lot of the lineup, and uh, Mike Johnson's done a great job. They, they have changed. Right now they're much better defensively. Uh, still have a good offensive group, uh, but Flurry's been great too. Uh, you know, Flurry uh, has been great in the regular season for a number of years. That's never been Pittsburgh's problem. Is the regular season? They, they're always one of the best teams in the East in the regular season. It's it wasn't happening in the playoffs, but Mike Johnson's system is a, a more puck controlled system. They have the puck a lot. They're not giving it away nearly as much, uh, and then they're uh, they're coming back and helping the defenseman out a lot more. So. 
yeah, right now they're, they're playing a very good style. They're, they're winning 2-1 games. They don't have to score five goals to win right now. Uh, you saw last night a big win against the New York Rangers in a, in a shootout. So uh, Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's really, uh, you know, taking Mike Johnson's message and, and playing very, very well. Anyways, we've been listening to uh, Barry Melrose, NHL columnist. You can find him at the Melrose Minute at NHL.com. Barry, we'd really love to thank you for joining us uh, on a Sunday morning and sharing your uh, thoughts on, uh, on, a, on a wide range of subjects so much. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, keep well, my friend, and I hope we talk to you again soon. Anytime, guys. Take care. Thanks, Thanks Barry. Barry. Anyways, that was Barry Melrose. Just before we go to break, we want to uh, once again announce our contest for the $100 gift certificate at ScrupleSalon.com. Once again, uh, uh, the numbers for that, the third caller at 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. gift certificate. It'd be a tremendous gift uh, to, to, for your special someone at Scruple Salon, www scruplesalon.com. Give us a call, 416-360-0740 or one 740 We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Peterville asked, how much loyalty is there in the world anymore? Well, about 14 inches, we figure. Introducing Peterville's new loyalty programme. After your sixth order, you'll receive a large 14-inch pizza of your choice free with your seventh order. You scratch our back, we feed your face. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. That's pizzaville.ca. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Bond. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough 
is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village on the new AM740 radio. Before we go to our next guest, I just want to remind our listeners that at the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, we are big supporters of the Foundation Fighting Blindness, uh, an organization that's leading the fight against various eye diseases in Canada, one of the leading organization in, in that fight. You can check them out, www.f fb.ca the foundation fighting blindness naz next uh, next up uh, we have sam cornette sam is one of our leading women squash players in canada we're going to take a little bit of a different turn for the naz and wally sports hour we've got uh, the world women's team squash championship coming up soon december 1st to 6th at the white oaks resort niagara on the lake and leading the canadian team will be sam samantha cornette Good morning, Sam. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Tell us a little bit about uh, squash in Canada. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about the state of the game and the tournament that's coming up in Niagara Falls. Well, the uh, state of the game is that we are always trying to grow it. And this tournament is a great opportunity for us. Um, we're trying to get as many people out to watch as we can, uh, December 1st to 6th. Uh, like you said, at White Oaks. So we're just hoping to get as much viewership as possible, and we're getting it out on a live stream as well and just trying to raise the profile of the sport in Canada. Anyway, so, sorry, Naz. Sam, uh, what is the participation level in squash now? I, I used to used to play it. This is a long time ago. So I, I used to play squash quite a bit out of uh, Humber College. Yeah. Um, what is the state of the sport now, and what kind of participation numbers do we have in the sport? Um, well, from my personal experience, uh, my friends all thought I was crazy when I was a kid. Uh, they didn't know what on earth this sport was that I'm playing. But then, just like you, they took it up in university, and now I'm laughing that they're playing so much squash. So I think it's quite a popular university sport because you can get a workout in within 45 minutes or so, uh, and you can hang out with your friends. You can do it on your own schedule. So I think that's where it starts. And then uh, I think... Uh, that's where it's going to grow from. For example, my parents did the same thing. So I'm, I'm playing squash now because they played in university. Anyways, uh, we're talking to Samantha Cornett, uh, a noted women squash player in Canada, a national champion. Uh, I've been told before I'm never supposed to ask a woman her age, so I certainly won't do that, Sam, but you're one of our best young squash players. Uh, you've won various championships, uh, national championship, uh, Montreal Open, Guatemala Open. Tell us a little bit, if you're uh, uh, someone like you who's a, a world-accomplished squash player, uh, what kind of a circuit is there for squash players, and what, where are the tournaments that you enter, and who are some of the people you play against? Mm, great question. Um, there, it's a pretty cool thing, because ever since I was about 15, I've been able to travel all over the world. So you can play a tournament anywhere from Hong Kong to, um, I was just in Monaco, to Brazil, and anywhere in between. So it's a really global tour. It's, squash is played on every continent, and 
um, you can kind of pick and choose which places you want to go to. It's pretty great. Now, what? How many people uh, are in the world championship? This is a doubles championship that you you have. It's team squash, right? Uh, team squash. Yeah, it's not doubles, but it is a team event, and there's going to be twenty teams there. And in the in 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 the teams that are coming, uh, where does Canada fit in in terms of uh, in terms of world squash and world ranking and that type of thing? Uh, well, last two years ago at the same event, it's like a biannual. Um, we came 13th, and I'm hoping that we can improve upon that and, and get into the top eight at this, this uh, year's event. Anyways, we're talking once again to Sam Cornett, uh, one of Canada's uh, leading women's squash uh, uh, players. And um, is squash uh, an event uh, in, in the Pan Am Games this summer? Yes, it will be. I'm really looking forward to that. And, and tell us... Um, how that's how that's set up is it uh, how how does a team event work is it an individual event how is it set up in the Pan Am Games the Pan Am Games is a pretty exciting one we've got an individual event followed by a doubles event followed by a team event so there's no shortage of squash during Pan Ams it runs right from the first day through to the very end and how many uh, how many people can we get in into Niagara how many people does it hold the facility that you're going to into the White Oak. I want to promote this for you. Uh, I know the hotel is a is quite a nice spot in Niagara yeah. on the lake. Please describe that to us. Oh, the hotel. Well, it's it's not only a hotel. It's a, like a absolutely gorgeous resort. So I think all the girls that are going are really going to enjoy themselves. Um, there's going to be uh, probably four players, I would guess, for every team. So. Uh, quite a lot of people, and then plus we're going to have all their coaches and maybe trainers um, and maybe fans coming fr- to watch from different countries and definitely people from uh, Canada. I know my mom's going to be there, so <laughs> um, it's going to be pretty busy at White Oaks. Well, anyways, we wish you, we wish, we certainly wish you the best of luck. And for our listeners that are interested, please don't miss the best women squash players in the world. They're going to be battling it out. At uh, December 1st to 6th at the White Oaks Resort in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Uh, just so that everyone knows, if you want to get tickets, you can get them online today at squash.ca. Uh, if you use the promo code Zoomer, Zoomer Toronto, you get a 30% discount. Uh, just going back, uh, Sam, I just ask uh, uh, where squash is in the world today, because I sort of remember it. I uh, uh, played quite a bit of squash uh, recreationally and not competitively in, in university, and then sort of followed it. We I remember from the early '80s and uh, that time we had some world-class squash players in Canada. Uh, and in terms of the state of the game, are there world rankings for squash players, and uh, where do Canadians fit in? Yeah, you've got it. There, there's definitely world rankings, and yeah, you're right. You would have been around during a very golden time for Canadian squash. That's for sure. Um, the right now I'm ranked 30th in the world, and we have a bunch of guys that are in the top 100. But we we definitely have a long way to go if we want to get on the podium in these kinds of events. So we've got to get our buns in gear. Well, we uh, we uh, you know your ranking is is quite laudable, and uh, we we can congr- congratulate you on that, and we certainly wish you the best in in your career and as you move up, and we'll be certainly looking forward to the squash championships at the White Oaks Resort in Niagara on the Lake. I'll keep we'll be keeping an eye on it, and uh, Samantha, thanks so much for coming on the show this morning and sharing with our listeners uh, what's happening in your career and what's happening with squash in Canada, and of course 
this great event that we're hosting. We're hosting the best women's squash players in the world. So uh, we'll certainly be looking forward to that. So uh, best of luck. We wish, we, we wish the Canadian team all the best. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Sam. Uh, that was Sam Cornett, uh, Samantha, who uh, will be head in, headlining the Canadian team at the World Team Squash Championships. Um, Naz, in the few minutes left, uh, Connor McDavid, big story this week. Um, received a text uh, from a gentleman, a Lou in Toronto, um, suggesting that there, that was a bit uh, overdone, the media reaction to that fight. And uh, what's the big deal? He's a 16, 17-year-old hockey player getting into a fight. If it was a 16 or 17-year-old soccer player twisting an ankle, it would never receive first-page news. I kind of disagree with that. It depends on the 16 and 17-year-old. This kid is supposed to be the next... Sidney Crosby, and even better than him. If it was England, and it was a soccer player, and it was the next Lionel Messi, would they be doing the same thing? I think they would. I think the reaction of the of well, the, the in England or in Italy or ever wherever this player came from would be the same. Yeah, and then this this whole Connor McDavid um, um, controversy this week uh, comes. It really centers on the whole issue of fighting in hockey. And, you know, the, the, there's a whole debate going on about the issue of fighting in hockey, some of it obviously to do with concussions and head injuries and, and the long-term health effects on, on a lot of the players. And, of course, we, we always have this debate about uh, the culture of hockey and whether fighting should be permitted in hockey. So that this Connor McDavid is part of that debate. The other issue is, of course, he's... Uh, not arguably, he's obviously the best uh, young hockey player in the world right now. Should he be fighting? Why is the best, the most highly skilled hockey player in the world of his age doing in a fight, swinging with his wrists and breaking his hand? Yeah, he hit the boards. Uh, he didn't any... even hit the player with yeah, a punch. Exactly. So what's he doing in a fight? Well, I mean, that's a reactionary uh, thing that he did. I mean, could you imagine him as a 16-, 17-year-old playing in the OHL and how many players are goading him or after him and he But is it his job? He's got to do it once. But where Every is, player has done it once. They have to do career. it once. Well, not, is this the one every, time and he managed to break his hand while he was well, at it? Well, he broke his hand because he hit the boards. It happens, right? He got yeah. into a fight. What's the big deal? I mean, all these players, Sidney Crosby fought. All these guys fought. I do, I do think that fighting is going to eventually be gone from the league or gone from hockey, and it's the OHL that really dictates a lot of what goes on. They try it at the OHL level, and then they go to the American League and then into the NHL. Eventually, I can see yeah. fighting not happening. Yeah, the fortunate part about this fight, it wasn't, he wasn't fighting a goon on the other side. No, he wasn't. The he kid was, had was, zero he, minutes yeah, of penalties. He was, he was fighting another player that was essentially smaller than he was, didn't have a reputation for dirty hockey. Apparently he's a good kid. Uh, is, and I agree with you, Naz. This appears to have been a spontaneous incident yeah. that happened in the game, uh, which for, I think sort of dulled the debate uh, somewhat in, in the sense that you know people weren't that critical of Connor McDavid in this particular instance. If it had have been somebody who was six foot two, 220 pounds, 
with you know 300 penalty minutes beside his name, I think this would have been a totally different, a totally different discussion. Yeah, he'll he'll be back. The kid's averaging three and a half points a game. An amazing yeah. hockey player. This kid's going to be great. Anyways, we certainly hope we have Connor McDavid back for the World Junior Hockey t- Tournament and 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 uh, at the front of the Canadian team in Toronto and Montreal coming up. Anyways, this has been the Naz and Wally Sports Hour for this Sunday. We'll. Be back again next Sunday morning at the same time. Have a fantastic week. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.